Hello and welcome to Rugby World Magazine's One Game at a Time. This week, an Antipodean import who has quickly become one of the Gallagher Premiership's most favourite sons. Jimmy Gopeth has played for Newcastle Falcons, Leinster and most recently Wasps in a career which has undoubtedly made him one of the best kicking playmakers in the Northern Hemisphere. We talk about the unbelievable Champions Cup quarter-final from April 2016 and get to know exactly how he plays and thinks out on the field. There's some superb insight into kicking under pressure, what it was like to be part of an electric wasp side, and there's also some lovely reflection on how it felt to miss out on playing for the All Blacks. Jimmy was wonderfully honest to talk to. I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. This is One Game at a Time. Jimmy Gopeth, how are you? I'm good, thanks. I'm really good. Uh, well, back into pre-season training now, so a bit tired. Indeed, it's all starting again in earnest. Uh, thank you so much. When When I was sort of thinking about putting this podcast together, this show together for Rugby World, I, I was I was looking for a goal kicker. And I have to say, you were right at the top of my list. I wasn't sure whether I was going to be able to speak to you. And it's it's a delight to have you on the show. Uh, the rules of the podcast are as follows. We talk to you, one player, about one game. Um, I've had it described, this uh, podcast, as a little bit nausy, which is uh, the rugby word, perhaps, for being overly technical or interested in detail. Are you, Jimmy Gopeth, a little bit nausy? Nah, not really. I'm, uh, the missus always gives me... Uh, I'm so laid back, I could uh, be a plank, pretty much. So, I just... Whatever happens, it happens, and it, it happens for a reason. Who's the biggest rugby nause that you know, then? Um, oh, we've got a few nauses in our team. Um, yeah, it's just... It's more the young fellas. They just love rugby. Jack Willis, absolutely, he's a nause. He loves rugby. But he's he's bloody good at it. So <laughs> I probably was a nause back in the day when I was younger. But that's why when you're young, you you live for it. You all you want to do is talk about it. You want to live it. It's your life. Um, when you get a little bit older, you you learn how to enjoy the good parts and and move move on and enjoy outside of rugby, which is really important too. We're going to go back to uh, the spring of 2016, a Champions Cup quarter final, which many Wasp fans regard a best they've ever seen their team play we will obviously talk in detail about the game and the team but can you try and tell me why Wasps were so good in 2016 and indeed the next season in 2016 2017 what was it what was what was the the combination of factors that made Wasps so attractive in that period the obvious point is apart from you know the talent we had in our group we had a great balance to our team um and when we got great balance, everyone married together really well and was on the same sort of path and um, had the same ambition. And we just, as I said, we married together, we gelled together so well and you know, just showed the type of players we had. Everyone was, I suppose, attack-minded, really attack-focused, and it showed the way we played. Uh, it was just really, really enjoyable to be out there in the middle of it when you got superstars everywhere. In this game you face Exeter Chiefs, a team that you would face in the Premiership semi-final a few weeks later, a team you'd lose to in the Premiership final the next year after an incredible extra time. Sport does that occasionally, doesn't it? It brings teams together again, almost inexorably for rematch after rematch. Legacies, if you like. You know, lots of different sports have these moments where different teams or the same teams come up against each other time and again. Just saying the words extra chiefs, do any of those feelings start to wash around again about those matches that you came up against them time and again? Yeah, look, I think we've got a brilliant rivalry against Exeter right throughout the years, but whenever since they, the last few years, just been 
outstanding. You know, we've had some brilliant matches down at Sandy Park. They've had when they come up here, it's always really, really tight, tight games. And it's quite weird because we're very, very different styles uh, of team. But we complement each other in the way we play. And for some reason, when we play each other, um, it brings out the best of both both of us. And it's always a cracking game to be involved with. This game has a huge amount in it. I mean, I'm not even sure how we'll get through these highlights, quite frankly. It was a, it was a very special home performance. They say that sometimes players can feel these sorts of games coming. Was there any of it with this game? Yeah, well, I think it's a European Cup, isn't it? It's 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 what everyone wants to play in. Um, I think Exeter it got to the quarterfinals for the first time in a while. Uh, obviously, Was has got massive history in the competition, and as a player, everyone was just so excited to be involved in this game and to have a home quarter as well. What what we had was just. You know, we were buzzing. Um, we couldn't wait for it. You know, as soon as we knew we had a home quarter final and the draw came out and we, we had Exeter and we were buzzing right from the word go. And when that day came around, it was, um, yeah, it was a magical moment to, to be a part of. The group stages of the Champions Cup, you'd been given Leinster, Toulon and Bath in your group. Many people referred to it as a, a group of death. Uh, but I seem to remember Wasps playing some really eye-catching rugby, especially against your former club, Leinster. In fact, to win the group, Wasps had scored 36, almost 37 points, I think it was in the second half, to leapfrog Toulon and grab that home quarterfinal spot. What is it like training when you are playing so well? Yeah, it's it's easy in the fact that everyone's happy, but I think you work harder because you know... You know, you know that um, yes, you're playing well, but there's always so much to work on, and and you want to become um, even better. So you know, we worked incredibly hard as a group, but you know, the mood in the camp was was awesome. It was uh, yeah, so so enjoyable to be around all the guys, and winning does that though. Um, you win, and and you know, you put yourself in good positions, then. Yeah, the atmosphere is always going to be good. Let's have a look at the uh, the teams. Uh, Exeter first, if you don't mind. Uh, Lockie Turner at fullback, Jack Knoll on the wing, Henry Slade and Ian Whitten in the centres, Ollie Woodburn on the other wing. Gareth Steenson and Will Chudley were at halfback with Steenson captaining the side. The front row for Exeter Moon, Cowan Dickey and Moray Lowe. A second row partnership of Mitch Lees and Jeff Parling. And the back row of Don Arman, Julian Salvi and Thomas Waldrum. The replacements, Yendall, Hepburn, Williams, Damien Welch, Dave Ewers, Dave Lewis, Campagnaro and James Short. Some of those names haven't changed, which is a feat in itself. But when personnel is no longer there, the, the thing that strikes you about this extra chief side is that the dynamic, the shape, the feel of this extra side has not changed. It's quite something, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. And, um, you know, they're, they're driven by, so to speak, they're, they're driving more as a massive factor um, of their play. And any team it comes up against an Exeter team and, and one that's this good on paper, discipline's a big key because they'll they'll punish you. They'll kick to the corners and drive and they get a lot, a lot of points out of that. Um, but then they had a well-balanced team as well. They they, they really um, backed themselves to hang on to the ball for long, long periods of, of, of time. And that sort of wore defences down and they got a lot of uh, pay out of that as well. It's a strange question, but could you have played for Exeter Chiefs? I mean, I don't know about any sort of, I'm not trying to pry into sort of contract uh, negotiations back in 2014 when you were moving from Leinster. But what I mean is, 
are you an extra type of player? If they'd come calling, would you have been interested in going to that side? Uh, I may have had a trip down there to have a, have a look around. Um, the, uh, I, I did have an opportunity, an opportunity to go down there, but um, just things were uh, just didn't work out at that time. But yeah, I, I love what uh, the mould they've got down there, and um, Rob Baxter's done a phenomenal job down with the group and. Um, everyone speaks very highly of the group and and the way that the way they play and you know just seeing what they've done over the last few years of, um, from being in the championship to coming through um, now they're one of the biggest powerhouses in Europe. Let's have a look at uh, the Wasp side as well. Um, Fifteen and fullback Charles Pietau, Christian Wade on the right wing, Elliot Daly, Siali Pietau in the uh, centre as well. Frank Halai on the other wing. Yourself, Jimmy Gobbeth, partnered uh, Dan Robson at halfback, Mac Mullen, Carlo Festuccio and Jake Cooper. Willie were in the front row. Joe Lordsbury and Kern and Marr were in the second row. James Haskell, captain the side in the back row, alongside George Smith and Nathan Hughes. Replacements, Ashley Johnson, Simon McIntyre, Lorenzo Cittadini, Bradley Davis, Thomas Young, Joe Simpson, Rory Jackson and Rob Miller. It's a fantastic team. It's a, it's a team for any neutral it sort of takes them back very, very well to that sort of heyday of 2016, 2017. Um, this is a horrible question. Who's the best player in that side? Oh, there's too many. <laughs> like, I'm just looking at the, the team sheet and, you know, you play with these guys all the time, but when you see guys' names on paper like that, it's, it's a phenomenal team. And, um, you know, one, I was very lucky to be a part of. You know, you've got guys, there's X-Factor all over that park and in the pack. So um, we were very, very blessed. This year was was outstanding. Dai Young, how was he at getting the best out of this team? Because he certainly did. Yeah, he was brilliant. Obviously, um, yeah, he, he's he's brilliant the way he runs uh, the whole organisation. And, you know, when he just gave us a really simple, simple plan to work with and when we've got talented guys that uh, really respect the guy you're playing for, then that's just what moulded us into being an outstanding team at this time. Before we press play, um, can I briefly check about pre-match routine? Is it is it uniform for you? Is it the same every time? Is there anything odd involved? Um, no, I'm I'm pretty pretty cruisy. Um, I do put my left boot on before my right, just because I'm a goal kicker. My left foot is my most important. But uh, other than that, no. I'm pretty laid back, as, as I said before. Do you do you go through do you go through any sort of process of thinking about things in the lead up to a game before kickoff? Yeah, of course. All week, you know, you've got your plans and what you're doing, and you know, before kickoff, I'll, I'll run through the plan of what we're doing, and also just have my my own goals that I'm trying to achieve within the game, and just running through my head of of, of what you know different areas I want to work on and. Just give myself a little cue. So when I get out there, I don't have to think about anything. It just comes naturally and I've got all that information stored in my head. Well, let's press play. We're going to watch the YouTube clip. It's uh, about 15 minutes worth of, of highlights. But we, we're quite quickly into a kick at goal and, and it, it's down to you. Before we sort of go any further, and I'll, I'll press pause almost before we've started, can you, can you tell us about your sort of thoughts of a first kick at goal? Yeah, look, as you say, a process, every, every goal kick has got their own process. And to be honest, the first kick is the same for me as the last kick. I don't have any different thoughts, but as a goal kick, it is nice to get one really early. And, and just for the team, if you get one nice and early, it settles it settles yourself down um, because you've just done some a few kicks in the warm-up and you can bring it straight in and, and you've got a shot. You know, I had one within within seven minutes, which was, you know, perfect for me. And 
and then you get the first one and and the boys are pretty happy because points on the board early um but as a as a goal kicker i've got my same process and that will not differ from a kick in the first minute to the to the 81st minute it turned out to be a very nip and sort of tuck game certainly in the in the first half it was very much about taking the points how do you deal with the sort of individual pressure what do you say to yourself to try and remove some of that individual pressure? Because suddenly a sport like rugby, which is all about every single man in, in the whole team, suddenly, you know, you're throwing the tee and, and it's down to one person. Yeah, I suppose this is, that's just part of the goal kicker. And, um, you know, I've learned right throughout my years just to, I enjoy those moments. And I think that's the, the best thing that I can do is just relax and take it as it comes because, if you get too overawed about it or you know, you, you excite yourself too much, your heart rate's going to elevate and then anything can happen. So for me, it's about staying in the moment, staying calm and collected and just doing what I love. I'll press play and, and watch things unfold and we see extra build and attack from, from deep wave after wave. Talk us through what is in the Wasps players' minds as these phases build. Yeah, look, we, we knew, um, as I said before, the Exeter team, they love to hold position for a long, long period of time. And we just knew we just got to stay connected as a group of players, as defence. And, you know, yes, they might march us back, march us back. But if we can stay patient as a line and, you know, when the back row we've got, there's opportunities going to come to, to turn the ball over. And But, you know, they, they get us on a couple of occasions there. Um, but we just scrambled really well. And I think that's hassed over the ball. And, um, and he steals a, a, a turnover, gets a turnover for us. And, Yes, they've been applying pressure, but we've just said to ourselves, if we can just back our system, the back row will just take care of all those little little cleanups. The next section is a is a good break from you guys, Pietau operating operating well behind a screen. Again, talk us through what you're trying to do and and how you're trying to create this. Yeah, so obviously we'd planned this in the week. Um, we just noticed that their midfield can get stuck on our ball or sort of man watching a little bit. So if we can put some good solid um, lines in, then we can make an opportunity with some of the pace we've got. And, you know, we just put Siali straight through the hole and, and we're very, very unlucky not to finish this opportunity um, down the right-hand side. And I think we we might have ended up getting, yeah, getting a penalty a little bit later, which uh, if I'm, I might have got this one or I might have hit the post. I hit the post <laughs> on one. I can't quite remember which one it was. <laughs> No, clean through. Yeah. You shouldn't have doubted yourself, Jimmy. Uh, do you do you pick out somebody in the crowd at all? I mean, you can see them behind the post there. Is, is there any is there any invitation to sort of look through the posts and pick someone out with a funny coloured hat on? Uh, not not individuals. I'll pick something in the stadium though. So uh, the Rico Arena is brilliant for goal kicking because it's a, it's a full and fully enclosed stadium, and so you've got targets all along on the back of the um, the stands, and so I can pick something out nice there and and set my line to to where I want to kick. But yeah, I don't. I don't tend to pick a certain person out uh, um, individually. That is it. We're at uh, two minutes and eleven on the clock, and um, I think you know what's coming. It's a, it's a Chiefs rolling mall, and it's a well, it's an art form down in the southwest. Um, try and explain how you stop this. Yeah, look, they they. This is the best part of their game, and everyone knows when the Exeter start these malls, they're pretty hard to stop. Uh, they're very, very good at it. Their formation's very good. They get nice and tight. They, their backs join in. The only way to stop it is, is illegally. So you, you're going to give away something. Um, and, you know, when Exeter get rolling, um, it's pretty much the boys. Are, you know, our boys work so hard to try and stop them. 
and you know sometimes it's just too too powerful. Dear old Thomas Waldrum as well, your mate from Wellington. Yeah, good old Barney. He uh, he scored a lot for them, and a lot were in these situations uh, on the back of the ball. He he was brilliant for them down there. Did you talk to him during the game? Do you, when when you see players that you've played with previously, is there just a nod and a wink when, when you catch their eye? Ah, uh, we're on the ground together. We'll have a bit of fun together. <laughs> <laughs> little cheeky jab here and there, but a bit of a bit of a word or two. It's all good fun. I, I like to keep really, uh, you know, really light-hearted when I'm playing, and um, I always chat to the guys um, during play or break and play. And probably people don't like me being so friendly. Steenson kicking at goal. Uh, we're at three minutes and seven seconds. An interesting question: How much do you watch other kickers' techniques? Could can you learn stuff? Because obviously Gareth Steenson is uh, has been doing this for Exeter and indeed in the Premiership for many a year, and 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 obviously is exceptionally good at it. Yeah, of course. You know, all the young young kids out there can can learn a lot from uh, watching goal kickers. And then because but the thing is, everyone's very individual. Everyone has their own sort of style and, and what fixes them. But especially young guys, they can really pick up little things that different kickers do. But it is quite hard to, to you know, say, oh, I want to kick like Jimmy Godbeth or I want to kick like uh, Gareth Stenson and, and go and do it because it might not quite be uh, for you. But you can definitely tinker around and take little bits from everyone. And is that is that really the, the message for, for anyone looking at, at goal kick is, is is a little bit like I suppose in the game of golf, like 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 putting to a certain extent, or or a or a golf swing. Ultimately, you've got to find something that is yours and that you're happy with and that works. Yeah, definitely, and and that's a big thing. What I've got with my kicking academy when I start with these, especially the younger guys, I just give them the fundamentals to to be able to kick in the right positions, and then you know you can see if it feels awkward for them. I can move them around a bit, and as long as they know the basics, then you can progress through it. The guys that don't really understand or the technical side of it, that they can get themselves in a little bit more trouble and, and find themselves kicking inconsistently. So it is important just to to nail down or to know the fundamentals of uh, being a goal kicker um, because that will push you forward and, and to being a way more consistent kicker in the future. We're at three minutes 17 uh, on the YouTube clip and uh, Actually, this is a uh, an incredible moment. This this kick, which you do miss, uh, actually sparks uh, the Chiefs into action and eventually leads with pressure applied to an intercept. Talk us through this and, and perhaps talk us through what Wasps get wrong. Yeah, well, obviously you get wrong with me hitting the post to the start. Um, <laughs> that's, uh, that's the first thing I got wrong. I come out of it a little bit too early. But yeah, obviously they kick it down to us, and you know we're we're in full counter attack mode, um, as we all are, always are. But we just, you know, I, I do remember this, and we were just a little bit laboured. There was really good opportunity. You can see that when we sort of go to spin it wide, there is really good opportunity for us. But one poor pass, and then we just try and shovel that pass on, and obviously the man of the moment again, Thomas Wardrum, is was on it um, straight away, and and obviously scored on the back of it but you know we talk about if you get a bad pass don't try and shovel shovel that on again just no matter if the opportunity is there just hang on to it and rebuild the next phase and we just got a little bit too keen a little bit too giddy because the opportunity was to to scoot around the left hand side and, and take them down the edge um, and unfortunately for us it was a big swing um, they picked up seven points 
three minutes out before half time. We're at four minutes and, and 55 seconds. And we actually slide into the, the second half. And there's the tough sort of attritional nature of the first half, perhaps creating a little bit more space. And this is a special try rounded off by the other Pietau brother, Charles. Tell, tell us about your memories of how this unfolded. Yeah, obviously, um, yeah, we had a good chat at half time and, and we were really, uh, we knew there were opportunities here. Uh, we just need the ball in our hands and to have an opportunity. So counter-attack is where the best form of attack for us. And, you know, we we got uh, a good carry and then we, we assessed the situation and the boys just took control. And Siali, you know, called for the second man play out the back, goes straight through, little inside pass to Dan Robson. And Dan, just what a touch, putting it uh, ball to foot and then Charles picking it up and muscling his way through Jack Noll to score. And, that gave us a massive buzz, you know. We to score straight after hits um, after half time really gave us a, a buzz, and um, you know we knew we were back in the game. Um, so it was a massive moment. Um, it could have even been better if I didn't come out of my kick too early and just pull it to the left. But it was <laughs> this was was this was us. This is how we played. Uh, so it was great to you know to to come out of the sheds at half time and to play the way we play, see the opportunity, execute, top draw execution and, um, and to get the point. We talk about the conversion. It, it, it's quickly going to be there on our screen. I mean, yes, you do miss it. I mean, personally, how, how quickly do you have to sort of deal with, you know, the disappointment of missing a kick? Yeah. So this one, I just, I came out of it too early. Um, you can see my head come up and just put, you do that and it, you just pull it slightly in. So I just pulled it a little bit to the left. But by the time I'm back in position, I, I'm totally forgotten about it. Uh, I might have a few cursed words to myself straight away and then it's gone. Um, I'm up to the next task looking you know, to, to what I have to do because we know they're kicking off and, and I'll, we'll probably have to exit. So there's no time of looking you know, thinking, what if? Because I know my technique so well, I can say to myself, I know, okay, just keep your head down a little bit longer. That's it. Um, I know exactly what I've done wrong. We're at 6.51 on the YouTube clip. Another set of phases and again, a huge defensive effort needed from everyone on the Wasp side. You can't unfortunately keep them out. The try is debatable when it comes. Who's your defensive captain in this Wasp side? Yeah, so normally, obviously, um, our, our sort of back row, Jane Taskell would have been leading the way and uh, you normally have one in your centre, so Elliot Daly and Siali Piatel would have been leading us through. So um, that's sort of your main guys that you look to. Yeah, but Exeter just sort of put a bit of pressure on us and, again, just held the ball, held the ball and, you know, just made us make tackle after tackle. And, you know, at times, you know, that just wears you down and, you know, they sort of get back in the game and re sort of get that lead above. And sort of what, what are we up now? Three points ahead now, so... That's just, just typical Exeter. When they get in this zone here, they can slow the whole game down. They can just pick and go, pick and go. And they really try and bully you over the line. How much is it to do with communication? Just how much? I mean, people perhaps won't appreciate watching the game, just how much chat there is out there. Yeah, there's a lot to chat. Um, yeah, and just when you're showing that, I remember that. He, I thought he knocked it on. Uh, I was pretty sure mm. they knocked that ball on too. So, um, But the referee will give what he gives. But defensively, it's it's... A lot about communication, um, a lot about trust. You've got to trust the, the, the men around you, inside and outside, to do their job. But communicating, uh, letting people know where you are um, is a massive, massive part of defence. 
it is eventually given and, and, and Exeter sneak themselves in front. Here's Henry Slade kicking at goal, uh, a man who seems to have so much about his game. He's just slightly short there, but he's a he's a very gifted young rugby player, isn't he? Oh, he is. He's a footballer. Um, he can play. Uh, he's You can put him in any position. He's got great skill set, uh, very balanced runner and, and strong. Um, so he, he's got it all and, and I'm sure he's going to be playing um, for England in many, many years to come. Again, uh, this leads to Exeter attacking. Uh, it is eventually ruled out, but th- they just seem to have your number here. 50 minutes on the clock, on the game clock. D- did, did you feel under pressure? Yeah, look, there's, there's always uh, momentum shifts in games. And you know, we knew that there was going to be, at times, Exeter were going to get on top of us. We just knew that uh, going into the week, from, especially from previously playing against them. For us, it was about staying patient. Um, and, and staying sort of composed in what we're trying to achieve in defence. You know, we, we get away um, with this one. Um, they absolutely butcher it, if I remember. They had a clear overlap and uh, and pass it forward. So we got away with one. And, you know, that's what, that's what rugby is about. Sometimes you get opportunities from other people's mistakes. And I think we, as a defensive unit, we knew we got away with it and it gave us a little bit of a buzz. And we thought, hang on a minute, here's, here's our opportunity. This is like a get-out-of-jail card. Um, so let's make the most of it. We, we've reached 10 minutes and 10 seconds on the clock. And we have two minutes of rugby now, which is shattering to watch, quite frankly, let alone play in. Uh, try, and, try and talk us through this because it starts with Exeter pressing again three or four metres out from the line. And then the door opens. Talk us through this, Jimmy Goppers. Yeah, look, this was the game right here. Um, this defensive set won us uh, this game. It was monumental. The guys were putting their bodies on the line. Um, Ashley Johnson just smashes the guys, gets in, rips the ball out. Um, and, you know, to turn the ball over literally half a metre off our own line uh, was a massive, massive shift. And then we just came alive. And it nearly, obviously, we're running from inside our own goal line. Um, but that's what these, these guys can do, the X factor. And this play, we've played this play on for a long, long time because these guys out on their feet after this passenger play. It was end to end. And I think some all the forwards were just praying someone's going to kick it out. But <laughs> no, one, no one seemed to kick it out. And when the, when the game breaks up like this, this is when we come alive. Um, and we knew we had to score uh, two converted tries to, to win the game. And when we got an opportunity, uh, when, they, when they didn't kick out, um, you know, that's, as I said before, this is counter-attack. This is when, you know, these special players we've got... The fatigue there in, in Nathan Hughes just to drop the ball like that. You could just see how tired he is. Oh, yeah. It was very, very fatiguing. and um, But that's when, you know, like Christian Wade comes into his own there and just beats people for fun. And, you know, when we got an opportunity, we took it. And, you know, that's to get one back. Um, you know, we're, Thomas Young was a massive impact in this game. He was phenomenal. Um, to get through that, I thought I was going to get a cheeky little try on the corner inside there, but uh, <laughs> they passed out to Charles. But... I mean, uh, Frank Halive, and he done well to get inside the post, so it made it kick easier for me. Um, and then we knew we were back in it. Uh, you know, we had 15 minutes to go. We're one score in it, and that's where you want to be uh, at a quarterfinal in Europe. 
the opportunity is still there after all the pressure um, Exeter were piling on us. That gave us the belief that we can actually do this. I, I was going to ask you about that. You know, obviously, you know, the the, the, the moment you're in the moment you've scored, Frank has, has, has sort of ducked inside the last defender and bought you in field. Are you immediately thinking about the, the, the kick? Is there any thought of maths? Are you looking up? You, you know the score on the pitch? You know exactly what that means? Um, I, I can't remember in this moment. I, I just knew that, um, you know, every kick's going to count from now on. And, uh, you know, I just had to back myself to, and my ability to, to make sure I, I convert. Talk us through the mentality of, of, of a kick out here as we as we saw see once again the sort of try build up from deep inside your own half. I don't know. I don't know how Wasps fans dealt with it, quite frankly, let alone being on the pitch. I I, I don't know. It's heart and mouth stuff. We 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 actually uh, the, the clip actually pans back to you slotting it through the posts and and as you say, getting back to, to where you need to be. And there's there's Frank just spinning inside and grabbing an extra couple of uh, of meters inside. Is there is there any different thought process? How how do you, as a goalkeeper, you know, shut it all out? How, how, is there any is there any sort of top tips as far as that's concerned? Does it come? Does it get easier with age? The more you do it, sort of just zoning out and just going, I'm just got to relax. I'm just got to do what I need to do. Kick the ball through the post. Um, yeah, definitely. It's one of those things that you learn over time, um, and you get more and more comfortable with um, as as you get older and as you get in, uh, I suppose, situations where you've got um, crowds and people around you and, and you've got more and more people watching. Um, the biggest thing for me is controlling your breathing. If you can control your breath, um, that lowers your heart rate and that gives you more um, clear focus in what you're trying to achieve. If you're, you know, you get all hyped up and you're blowing and, you know, then you, you don't compose yourself, then that's when errors are going to slip in. So it's really, really important to control your breathing. Um, and lower your heart rate so you can give yourself your best opportunity. 12.39 on the YouTube clip. Uh, less than a minute to go in the game. And it all unfolds. And it is it is incredible to watch for a neutral, for a rugby fan, to, to see this unfold. It must have been extraordinary to be involved with it. Yeah, look, we, we uh, to be in right here with the last minute of the game... We felt we had an opportunity um, and it was all about being patient and, and looking for the opportunity to strike when we had a, when we felt good. And, you know, I remember this build-up. Um, we were just battering away with the forwards um, and, and they were just sort of getting uh, sort of yards by yards. And I kept scanning out and, and the boys around me, Elliot, et cetera, just kept looking for opportunities. And, you know, when, when Siali made that little bit sort of burst, I could see that they were on their back foot and, um, when I got Frank Halai running a short ball on me, I knew he was going to interest, I think it was Gareth Stenson. And then Elliot used his pace, Charles done the rest. And, you know, it was just a massive moment. Um, one that I didn't celebrate, to be honest. As soon as I passed the ball, as soon as I backed up, as soon as they, I could see we scored, I walked straight over to the corner, got a, got a drink off the physio and just closed my eyes, visualised what I wanted to do. And as I said before, I just got my heart rate straight down because I, I knew what I had to do. So it was, a, it was a big moment for me, but it was just a beautifully well-taken try. We ran that nice, tight, sicker man play. As I said, Frank came short on Gareth Stenson and he's, of course, he's going to not going to, he's not, he's going to look at him. He always will. Um, and then Elliot used his pace out the back and 
obviously Charles is just a freak. And to finish like that, um, he could have given it to Wadey if he wanted to, but he finished and everyone went bananas. 14 minutes and four seconds on this YouTube clip. We are stuck in time before you take this kick. It is a tough kick. You know, it is way out on the right-hand side. But the way you kick it, I have to say, and I've watched this a couple of times, it never looks as though you're going to miss it. How, how do you do that? Um, yeah, my technique, it's just pretty much just smash it through. Uh, I didn't get much movement on the ball because I kick end over end. And as soon as I hit it, I knew straight away. I knew it was good. And the weirdest celebration, I've never celebrated a kick. And I don't know what I was doing. Hands in the air, doing like a little duck walk. And then Lee Blackett jumps on my back. Uh, and I'm carrying him and then the boys uh, just engulfed me so it was uh, but it's one of those ones when um, you know it meant so much to the boys and what we were 13 points down um, with a few minutes you know six or seven minutes to go or something and to come back and to finish the way we done it was just so I was so proud of the way we we finished that game as as a group of men and um, as you see, you know, Nathan Hughes here shedding a tear. The boys are hugging each other. It just meant so much to us. And um, it was so dramatic. And, you know, definitely a few beers had after that game. The following season, as I've already mentioned, you went on as a team to play superbly. And personally, you went on to have an absolutely fantastic year in 2016, 2017. Is that the best season you've ever had, that following season? Um, I, I don't know. It's hard because, yes, I got all these personal accolades, but it was just on the back of a great team. You know, I was just playing in a great team and um, everyone was thriving. I think, you know, I think anyone could have got um, any of those awards because it was just a fantastic team to be involved with and the style of play we had was just... Um, people called it carefree and showboaty or something like that. And um, But it was... It was very, uh, we were very technical, very tactical. We knew exactly what we were doing. Um, and we we had, you know, we believed in what we were doing and, and we backed each other. It did help to have some superstars around um, to, to, to get us some moments. But I was uh, happy to, to cruise in for the ride and I really enjoyed it. Does that frustrate you at all? You, you mentioned it there, you know, some of the comments that were thrown your way make, makes it seem as though, not that it wasn't merited, but that it was kind of happening, you know, you know, so a little bit more carefree, where, whereas you seem to paint a picture of, uh, you know, a lot of hard work and a lot of effort and a lot of practice going into it all. Yeah, it was. I, th- I think the, the most that sort of, uh, I don't know if you could say annoyed us or pissed us off, so to speak, was the people that, that just always said about our defence. And, you know, we, we worked really hard on our defence and, Yes, we leaked a lot of tries, and and you know, but we scored a hell of a lot as well. Um, we spent so much time uh, with the ball in hand uh, that occasionally we, you know, you'd, you'd make mistakes and you turn ball over. So a lot of those tries that we conceded were off turnover ball, and when you're scrambling, it's really hard to defend. Um, set piece, we hardly lost. Uh, I think we hardly had a try scored against us unless it was a driving ball uh, five meters out from the line. So. Yeah, but internally we we knew we knew that um, we knew what we were all about, and you know we just shut the white noise out and you know believed what we were doing internally, and it showed the way we played, and um, 
know, that year we were, you know, 10 seconds away from winning the premiership. In preparation for this podcast, uh, I was sort of spooled through the career highlights of, of Jimmy Gopeth and you've had quite a few. Um, it's, uh, it, it really was wonderful to go back and, and, and have a look and remind myself and uh, about exactly what you've done. You are 36 years old. Does the R word loiter with intent in the back of your head at the moment? Well, as you say, well, it's my birthday on Monday, so I'm 37 next week. So it probably makes it even worse. Um, no, I, um, I actually had a PB in my speed uh, yesterday, so my legs aren't getting any slower, which is, uh, which, is, which is good. I'm feeling good. So if I'm still playing well, if I'm still enjoying my rugby, if a team still wants me to play for them, I'll keep playing. I've still got the love for the game. I still enjoy going to training. Uh, pre-season, maybe not so much, but that's every rugby player down from 18-year-old to yeah, 30 or 40-year-old. So as long as the love of the game is still there and as long as I'm still able to, to play how I want to play, um, then, yeah, I'll, I'll keep playing. So it's not coming yet, but at, at some point it, it might do. How will you deal with not playing this wonderful game anymore? Um, I, I, I don't know the answer, to be honest. I've got loads and loads of mates who have retired. And the first thing they say to me is, the biggest thing they miss is the camaraderie inside the changing rooms. Um, after games, um, they don't miss being sore, they don't miss killing their bodies. But it's that day-to-day camaraderie, after matches, etc., that they find really hard to deal uh, with initially. And that's, I suppose, because that's the part of the game we all love. You know, it's, it's, it's why we do it. We enjoy ourselves together. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be interesting. Um, I think because I've started up my kicking academy, it's probably going to keep me involved with the game. I'm, I'm doing a bit of coaching as well. So, you know, I'll probably stay in the game, which can probably help that. Or probably make it worse because I'll be too too close to it. Yeah, but it's it's definitely one that a lot of the guys talk about. And other thing is, I just keep saying, "Don't retire, don't retire. Keep play as long as you can." <laughs> uh, the real world's not great, so it's uh, yeah. It's we're we're very very privileged and humbled the way what we we get to play the game we love as our job. Um, and that's not you can't take that for granted one little bit. So you just got to enjoy every moment because, as you say, it doesn't matter if you're 17, 18, coming into professional rugby or 30 to 40 and, and finishing it, your day could come at any moment. So you have to enjoy every single day um, you're at it because one day you'll be waking up, uh, putting a suit and tie on and, Nine to five. They love you in Dublin. Newcastle adore you. I know that for sure. And many Wasps fans would would put you in their favourite ever fifteen. But you, you haven't quite realised that on the international stage. And and you can tell me to leave you alone to your private thoughts. But I'd be I'd be ever so interested to know how someone as talented as you has come to terms with the fact that that accolade has just remained elusive. Um, yeah, look, it's it's one that I get reminded of all the time. People always say, how are you not an international player? But and when I was sort of coming through in New Zealand, 
I had the likes of Dan Carter, Andrew Mertens, Nick, Nick Evans, um, and then there was myself, Stephen Donald, Luke McAllister. The talent was just, it was, it was massive. Um, Dan Carter, Andrew Mertens, Nick Evans were the main, main guys for a long time. And it was, that's when I made my decision. I was around 25, 26 when Newcastle, um, I had the opportunity to go to Newcastle and I was, I, that was the biggest draw. I was like, I, I really want to be, play for the All Blacks. And it was like, well, these guys are going to be here for ages. So it's like, I'm young. I just had a, a, a newborn, um, my daughter. So I was thinking, well, this is the opportunity. This is probably the time to go overseas and, and explore um, because it's going to be, unless there's going to be injuries, it's going to be really hard to make it. And then what happens? I go overseas and next, next World Cup comes around and everyone gets injured. But <laughs> that's life. That is life. Um, but no, I don't hold any grudges about anyone. Or Yes, of course, I would, would have loved to play for the All Blacks. Like, that's, a, that's every child's dream in, uh, growing up in New Zealand. And I, I was the same. I was very fortunate. I got to play for New Zealand schools, New Zealand 21s, uh, the Junior All Blacks, which is effectively uh, your England Saxons team, so the A team. Um, yeah, like had a had an All Black trial, little things like that. So you know, I was I wasn't far off, but yeah, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be like sitting there in my chair and saying, oh, what if this? What if that? What if this? It's just sometimes things don't work out your way it is, and to be honest, I think I've come over here and um, I've, I suppose when I leave the game here, I'll be remembered for who I am. And that's, I suppose, the best thing I can do as a, as a player is people will remember for me as who I am and, and who I played for. It's, that will give me pride when I'm sitting back uh, telling my grandkids of what I did. I feel as though this has gone very negative. I'm, I can't leave it like that. I want to talk about positivity. I want to get you positive again. What is it about this sport of rugby that you love the most, do you think? And I, I, you kind of made allusion to it a little bit earlier. Is it that? Is it the people? Is it any more than that? Yeah, of course it's the people. And I, I love the fact that anyone can play it. Uh, any shape, size, form, anybody can play this game. Um, and that's the beauty about it. And, you know, everyone, um, you know, you go to a, go to a, you know, I'm, I don't really follow football. Um, I've been to, a, I've been fortunate enough to go to a couple big games and and I just don't get it. You've got one crowd, they're, they're segregated, where your away fans and your home fans are different. Rugby, you can be sitting by the next supporter right next to you. And that's the bit I love about our game. Everyone's just there to enjoy themselves. And yes, people want you to win or win and don't want to lose, but at the end of the day, people go and enjoy themselves and from the grassroots right up to the professional, it's, it's exactly the same. There's no difference. And yeah, that, that's a big part of the game I love. Well, it's been an utter delight talking to you, hearing your thoughts on this game in particular, but also your wider rugby philosophy. The English and Irish game has been so much richer for having you, Jimmy Gopeth. And on behalf of those listening and Rugby World magazine, thank you for giving us your one game at a time. Uh, thanks for having me. Thank you.